Looking for an all-natural snack that provides the nutrients and minerals for happier, healthier chickens? Check out Grubly Farms Grublies, the official chicken snack of the Drink and Farm podcast. Grublies are safely and sustainably harvested in the United States at FDA-approved grub farms to ensure the highest levels of food safety and quality for our feathered families. And Grublies do great things for the environment. Grubly Farms Grubs recycle food waste into organic compost. How awesome is that? Head on over to grublyfarms.com and use code FARM15 to get 15% off your first order of Grublies today. Sam? Oh, hey, Bev. What you drinking today? I just realized I probably should have practiced saying this Uh before I opened it. (laughs) It is a beer by Land Grant Brewing Company, and it's called Pastuzo, I think. It's an orange marmalade pale ale. So what'd you open over there? So I opened a Meridian Hive Blackberry Draft Mead. Mm. And they're all like super excited about bees and stuff. So I thought this was really cool to try. So it's canned mead for those of you that heard the canned noise. Um, I've been on a canned wine kick on and off. So I was excited to find canned mead. It's just got a little carbonation to it and it tastes like juice. Like this could be really dangerous. (laughs) There's something about beverages and cans. I don't know why. I just, I like them so much. They're my preferred beverage Same. vehicle. <laughs> and the act of opening a can is just, oh, I love it. But when it makes me feel weird, like when I'm in a really big meeting and like the only one opening a can, it sounds like I'm opening a beer and I feel ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just a diet Pepsi, guys. <laughs> I swear. I, I swear. swear. And welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community, from hobby farmers to re- large scale real deal farmers. And also the podcast that's been social distancing since day one. Yeah. <laughs> We've been nailing this for a while now. We've had a lot of practice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and the new knowledge we gain, so hopefully you don't feel so alone in this farm thing or social distancing thing. (laughs) And sometimes we go off on non-farming related tangents, but we cut a lot of those things and stick them up on our Patreon for the patrons to enjoy. And this episode's outtakes are exclusively for our Patreon peeps. So check that out at patreon.com slash drink and farm. And speaking of the Patreon, our drink sponsor or drink peep this episode is at hippie underscore hens underscore hacienda over on the Instagram. So cheers, lady. Cheers. Okay, so I do have a little bit follow up. 
Um, we had talked about hatching goslings last week. Um, and by the time that episode dropped, we were pretty close to that seven day mark. So I was able to start candling the goslings. Ooh. Uh, all nine eggs are viable right now. <laughs> That's so exciting. But my husband's like, you're going to sell some of these, right? And I'm like, well, um, I guess. <laughs> you're like, no. <laughs> um. So, yeah, so that's exciting. But we still have quite a few days to go. So stuff can still go wrong, even though I don't want it to. Um, we'll figure out what to do with them all when they hatch. But also, I noticed that my Toulouse is kind of sitting on a nest of Ooh. a few. And I'm kind of like, mm, maybe I'll see how many are in there and see if she just wants to hatch a couple. <laughs> yeah. <too. laughs> maybe just like two. Um, so I can see how that goes and kind of compare the experiences. Um, I will say that hand turning eggs four times a day is not my jam. Do not enjoy that. Yeah, I'm super forgetful so like i'd suddenly on day 10 be like oh, i haven't heard the eggs at all <laughs> i do have reminders set on my phone that has been helping me but the whole like turning it part and the way our incubator set up they tend to roll if you don't set them just right oh <laughs> yeah so that's totally like a first world problem. It's not a big deal, but I'm just finding that if this is something I want to do, I might want to see if I can get like a goose egg turner um, that can handle bigger eggs. <laughs> that totally makes sense. You know, it's so funny. I was editing that episode last week and I was sitting at my desk and, you know, you're talking about incubating the gosling eggs and I was like you know what this house is missing this house is missing some chicken eggs in an incubator <laughs> <laughs> so I popped into my husband's office and I'm like hey do you care if I order some hatching eggs from my pet chicken and John John looks at me he's like did you order them already <laughs> <laughs> had you no I had it oh, okay. I put them in the cart though I had them I had them picked out and in the cart you're already he's like you're going to do it anyway, so just do it. I'm like, no, I genuinely want to know. He's like, well, what kind are you getting? I'm like, the friendliest breeds possible. That's what the hatching eggs are for. And he's like, oh, that sounds fun. No, do it. Oh, that's so funny. He's not like, don't order, you know, ones that are just going to be assholes. But if they're right. friendly, we're good. <laughs> I mean, there's no guarantee that they're friendly, no, but yeah. they're like the eggs from the friendliest breeds, you know, that are like known out there. And, you know, we've right. already talked about how chickens like have their own personalities and whatnot. But the likelihood that we end up with a nicer rooster from this batch is better because they're mm -hmm. naturally friendlier breeds, I think. So I don't know. We'll see how that all pans out. <laughs> I'm excited, though. I'm glad that I could influence you to to do some hatching <laughs> yeah I was thinking I was like oh I want gosling eggs to hatch and I was like wait I can order chicken eggs to hatch <laughs> <laughs> yeah when my husband was like are you gonna sell some of these goslings I was like maybe Bev will take some <laughs> yeah I'd totally take some goslings <laughs> but I don't know if I'm allowed to drive right now with both of our states being locked down to transport goslings across the border <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that's not included in probably essential not. business. No, <laughs> probably not. But by the time these things hatch, I'm hopeful that some things will have like started lifting. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how this pans out. Well, we can chat more about that in our coronavirus corner later in the episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
So in this week's episode, we just we kind of realized that we haven't given you guys a lot of non-coronavirus personal farm updates in a while. Um, obviously, we talked about the driveway breeding and me hatching eggs. Um, but we wanted to give you some other updates of some kind of fun and weird stuff going on at our, at our farm. So I'm going to make Bev go first because I want to know more about her new addition on the farm. Ah, uh, yes. You're talking about Jupiter the donkey. I am <laughs> the cutest donkey. You have the cutest donkeys. I'm ugh. <laughs> They're so fun. I love having donkeys and having a second donkey is better than just having one donkey. I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. (laughs) So is that just because of the cuteness factor or the morning greeting factor or is there like more to it? So it's a combination of multiple things. Like the extra morning greeting is super awesome. Like every time I walk outside, Percy always goes first. I get a really either angry moo (laughs) or curious moo. I'm not really sure what his other moos mean, but he usually is always mooing for food. That cow acts like I starve him to death, but I swear (laughs) I do not. (laughs) And then as, as soon as Percy's done, one of the donkeys goes first and then the other one goes and it's just so funny because like when one goes off the other one has to I don't know if it's like in response maybe they're talking (laughs) I don't know but I love it and Jupiter is like 10 times louder than Herc is the first time I heard Jupe go off I was like (gasps) my neighbors are gonna hate me but I've talked to all the neighbors and none of them they all said that they can't hear him so that's good (laughs) (laughs) But I was like shocked the first time he did it. I was like, you are so loud. And I love it. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) So how did you happen upon an additional donkey? Because, you know, we have a whole line of stuff in our merch shop about your ass is enough. Yes. Because you only had one donkey. (laughs) And that was in response to a little bit of online shaming. So how did you find this? mythical magical donkey so fast well so i've actually been looking for a second donkey pretty much since a few weeks after we got herc like Mm. i had a feeling that donkeys were social creatures but after i learned more and more about them i realized like they're definitely herd animals like he needs a friend and that's how percy ended up here because we couldn't find another donkey Mm. and part of that was because i was being kind of picky about the donkey that we were going to get, I didn't want to pay 800 or or $1,000 for a paper donkey because I just didn't need that. That's not right. that's not something that I need here on my farm because I'm not starting like a donkey breeding farm. And I wanted to give a home to a donkey that needed it, you know, kind of like I did for Herc. Um, you know, the, pl- the farm that Herc came from is a great farm and he would have given Herc a great life, but he didn't want a second donkey or need a second donkey so he wanted you know Herc to go somewhere else so that's why he ended up here and uh the other thing too is i really wanted it to be a donkey that was around the same age as Herc and the same size because miniatures can come in like phases i guess or grades i don't know like measurements and i don't think they like i don't think they get categorized like that but there's definitely a variance in miniature donkeys like um little coco from fun size farms 
she is the tiniest little donkey Aww. I've ever seen. She has got to be like half of her size. <laughs> but Aww. she's also still like really young. I think she's over a year though. So she might be getting pretty close to full size. So they definitely come in, you know, like like sizes. And Herc's on the larger size, like side size for a miniature donkey. So I wanted to make sure that he had a playmate that was appropriate, you know, like for him, for for his playmate things. I don't know. I said that right. No, <laughs> I think that's right though, because you don't want to get like a full size huge donkey. Yeah, and you know, now that I have two miniatures, I could totally get a standard because like, you know, the two miniatures could play with the standard nicely. That wouldn't be that big of a deal. But like, you know, for their main playmate, I feel like they need someone closer to their size. Like if I was to get a standard, I would try to find a second standard also, just so that, you know, they have they have their counterpart because they play really rough and a certain way. And it's more evenly matched if they're around the same size. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. It's kind of like goats. Like, yeah. Like with the babies and stuff, you kind of have to be careful because like Cal, like we have, I've mentioned this a few times, but we have mites on the, in the goat pen right now, we think. Um, so we started doing rounds of ivermectin injections and you, there's a way to measure your goats or any livestock in order to calculate weight. And... So we did that, and Cal's like 130 pounds, and like, oh my gosh, really? I didn't realize he was that big. Yeah, and like our female goats are more like, you know, 60 pounds. Yeah. So big size difference, and and Biscuit likes to headbutt with, uh, with Cal, but Biscuit's maybe more around like 75 pounds. Um, but I wouldn't want to bring one of like the 20, 30 pound baby goats in with Cal right away. Um, without supervising. Cal's actually like super docile. He's actually our uh, easiest goat to trim hooves with and um, do things like injections. So yeah, it's super important to consider size in animals. Size does matter when it comes to your farm animals, (laughs) when you're putting them together. You got to make sure everybody's playing nicely in the sandbox. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, especially when like the whole purpose of them is just like, for friends right (laughs) and and you know and that's the other thing too is I wanted to make sure that they were a similar age Mm. because donkeys live to be like anywhere from 30 to 50 ish so I wanted to make sure that I know right I could be like 86 by the time my donkeys pass away (laughs) I'm gonna have to put them in my will Uh, but I wanted to make sure that you know like I didn't get an older donkey for him as a friend because like Mm. then they could be BFFs for like 20 years and then the older donkey dies and Herc still has you know 15 20 or possibly 30 years of loneliness you know what I mean so I put I probably put a lot more thought into it than I really needed to But I figured that since I had the opportunity to be so intentional with this, like, part of my farm, I should go ahead and do it. So, Mm -hmm. like, it took forever 
to find the right donkey. And my farrier was actually the one that was keeping an eye out for me. Cause like I had joined all those Facebook groups about finding a donkey for you or finding a rescue donkey and all of that. And honestly, most of that stuff is like auction and kill pens. And if you know how to like do a livestock auction, then those are great opportunities to find donkeys fast because they do show up in those kill pens mm. and auctions like really often. But I don't have a trailer. And going to the auction kind of scares the crap out of me. <laughs> Why is that? I don't know how to bid on things. Oh, well, you put your hand up. Yeah, but then that requires people looking at me. <laughs> oh, well, make sure to do it. Like sit next to him and just poke him anytime. Right? I yeah. know. We've, he and I have had this conversation because he's talked about how like we have a really great uh, local auction like place just down the street from us. And they do like hay auctions and produce auctions and flower auctions and stuff all the time. And he's like, we should really be going down there to like get our hay or, you know, yeah. we want to plant flowers around and stuff. Like we could go get a whole truckload of flowers for like nothing at the auction. Mm-hmm. But then I looked at him. I'm like, I don't know how to do the auction. He's like, uh, I don't either. I'm like, well, we just need a friend that's like done this before to go with us. So that's next on my list of like fears to get over is going to the auction. (laughs) Well, I will tell you that we signed up for ours because we have something similar kind of like 10 minutes down the road. Um, We've never bought anything, but we've went and we have like a number. So you have a number that's assigned to you and then you just bid on things and like somebody's writing down who gets what and then you go pay for it and then you load it up. Okay. Um, and we've sat through like the 4-H auction before, which makes you really realize how much you touch your face because, <laughs> because I'm you touching don't my act- face right now. <laughs> Me too. You don't want to like accidentally bid on something. So, yeah, I understand the the unknown there because I wouldn't go by myself. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's part of like what it is. Like I told my husband, I'm like, when I go to go to buy something, like I want to know it's there, and then. That's what I'm getting. Like, right. if, if that makes any sense. Like, the whole idea that I'm yeah. leaving the house to, like, go do this thing and I don't know if I'm going to get to do this thing. There's something about it, like, in my brain. My brain just, like, can't compute that. <laughs> right. Sometimes our auction will, like, if they get animals a few days early, they'll post pictures. That's the place where, like, they sold alpacas for, like, all of them for, like, $200. And there was, like, three oh, or four of them. I so, like, that. I always just, like, stalk the page to see what's there. And then I they always post, like, what was sold and for how much. Okay. Um, so I can see, like, what's there a lot. But if we didn't have the chicken disease that we had, I would definitely take my roosters there to auction them off. Oh, um, yeah. I've thought about taking some of the ducks that aren't, that can't get that disease. Um because we have a few male ducks. We probably have too many, especially yeah. this time of the year. <laughs> right. <laughs> it becomes more obvious this time of yeah, the year. Yeah, <laughs> they get a little excited this time yeah. of year. Um, but I never see geese, so I might take geese at some point if we have too many. <laughs> oh, it's a good plan. See? Yeah. But anywho's, yeah. No, that's exciting, though. But I know that through the... You obtaining the other donkey, something else kind of transpired on your farm. Yeah. So I got the other donkey from my farrier and it was just like a totally random phone call on like a Wednesday and then he delivered him on a Thursday. And so while he was there delivering the new donkey, he was leaning up against the fence and he's looking over into the goats area and he's like, those roosters you have are so pretty. And I'm like, really? You want them? (laughs) Because I was like, I've just, 
Pitter like really tested all of my patience because I could not figure out how to get him to stay in yeah. with his other rooster brothers and the goats, which was super frustrating because it's like it was hard enough to figure out like how to feed the goats and the roosters. And then to like have this rogue rooster that just like wouldn't stay where he belonged, like meant that I had to make another trip to like feed this rooster because obviously I wasn't going to let him starve because I'd never do that to an animal. So he was just like he was just adding more stress and work. And I loved those roosters, don't get me wrong, but I think I just like that day, I just like had it. I was like, so do you want him? And he looked at me and he's like, yeah, I do. I I want your roosters. How much would you like to sell them for? Oh, <laughs> so not giving them away for free either. I like that. Yeah. And it's funny because I almost just like told him he could have them. But then I stopped and I was like, oh, yeah, I just bought this donkey from this Amish guy. Like, you know, he he knew how hard I had been looking for the donkey for a donkey. And I think he got the donkey for free from someone who didn't couldn't take care of him anymore was how he got it. So then I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, no, this makes sense. I bought a donkey from him. I should sell my roosters to him. So I told him I was like, well, to be honest with you, I don't know what roosters are worth. And he's like, I'll give you eight bucks a piece for them. That's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what I thought, too. I was like, that seems fair. But then I told him, I was like, well, one of my roosters limps. And he's like, that's okay. I'll take him, too. I was like, okay. (laughs) Do you think he's going to eat them? So I didn't ask. That's probably good. Quite frankly, I didn't want to know. But when he picked them up, because he picked them up from me like a week and a half later when he came to trim the hooves. And in fact, Mm -hmm. it was so funny. Like, when when he was coming back to trim the hooves, Jared looked at me and he's like, you bought a donkey from a farrier and he didn't trim the hooves before he brought him over? I'm like, <laughs> the Amish and the Mennonites don't do anything for free. Don't no, they're yourself. smart. They Very are. smart people. <laughs> they're totally smart. So mm-hmm. he laughed about that. Uh, but, you know. He when he came and trimmed the hooves and he picked them up like because like he helped me get them and get them loaded into the crate and stuff. He was like holding them like babies and he's Aww. like, oh, he's like this guy is just a big baby and he was talking about Stuart, which was like my really really big rooster. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's probably my friendliest one was Stuart. And in fact, I almost kept him, but he was also the most dangerous one because he was the biggest one and could jump the highest. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So he wouldn't stop talking about how pretty they were and how much he liked them. So I don't think so. I think he just has a lot of chickens and wanted some roosters. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. So, I mean, even Stephen Rue, who limps, like he didn't give any indication that he was going to eat them because he wasn't like checking them up for size. Like two of my roosters are small, like wiry roosters. Hmm. So if it was for food, I don't think he would have wanted them. So Well, if you think about it, like the Mennonites and the Amish, like... Chicken t- TV is probably like their jam. So you want some fun looking chickens out in your yard to hang yeah. out with. And that might have been what it was. It's close to spring. So he knew that his chickens were going to start laying again. And he wanted to probably hatch more chickens. And there you go. thought that'd be a fun way to add some new breeds and colors. Because he did ask me about them. And he asked me like what breeds they were. So one of them's a Barnevelder, which was Stephen Rue. And mm-hmm. the other three are just barnyard mixes. But they were fun barnyard mixes. So. Yeah, they were. They were super pretty. And it's more fun to think of it in that narrative than they're in the crock pot. So we'll just go with that. I'm sure that's what's actually happening. I feel like he would probably tell you if he was going to eat them. I think so, too. Mostly because I think he likes to see what my reactions to things are. (laughs) 
<laughs> also his form of entertainment. Yeah. So I think he would have told me. So I don't yeah. know. I'll, I'll see him again in eight weeks or I guess it'll be seven weeks now. I'll see him again in seven weeks. Uh, and then, I don't know. Maybe I'll ask him how the roosters are doing, but maybe I won't. I don't know. But I do honestly think that the bachelor pad thing was going to work out in the long run if I could figure out how to keep Pitter over there. And I will try it again if in this hatch we get a lot of roosters, Mm -hmm. then I'll separate them as soon as I recognize their roosters. They'll go into their own brooder and I'll raise them completely separate from the hens so that when I move them somewhere else, they won't know any different. And then I'll see, you know, how that works out. Because I'm kind of looking forward to some cute little banty roos and seeing how they react differently. And smaller roosters will just be a little cuter with the mm-hmm. goats, I think. For sure. <laughs> and, like, we've had some really good bantam roosters, too. And the kids would pick them up and play with them. Um, and they're just so docile. So hopefully you get some of that and it'll change the way your kids feel about roosters too. Like that some roosters are good. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. Cause I really did. I was, I was sad that the kids were just automatically hating on roosters because, you know, they scared the crap out of them. So I thought this would be a good opportunity to show them that, you know, there's a difference in breeds and types and temperaments and stuff. And, you know, I don't know. Everybody always talks about how kids these days are soft because they were never like chased by roosters or whatever. I mean, my kids were chased by roosters and they were terrified by them. And I did not want to torture them right. <laughs> with giant roosters right. chasing them around the yard. <laughs> that makes sense. If you enjoy finding new products to support your chicken keeping habit and enjoy getting happy mail on a regular basis, we highly recommend the Honey and Roo subscription box, the only chicken keeper subscription box on the market. Honey and Roo was created by a chicken keeper for fellow chicken keepers. Items are hand selected to enhance your first aid kit, provide fun new treats and coop items, and there's always something fun for us humans too. This is a great way to try new products without standing in front of shelves at your feed store wondering if you should invest the time and money to try something new. The guesswork is taken care of for you. So go to honeyandrue.com and save 10% off your first box using code DRINKANDFARM. As a subscriber, you can also visit the honeyandrue.com shop to purchase select items and save 10% off everything. Honey and Rue, better chicken keeping delivered. So you've had some bunny mama drama over on your farm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So Mother Nature is really weird. I'll just start out by saying that. Yeah. (laughs) And bunnies also very weird. Um, Weirder than I even initially thought. Because I actually used to say that having like breeding rabbits and having baby rabbits was like super stupid easy. And I think that's true as long as you have a good bunny mama. Well, we didn't have such a good bunny bunny mama. And we had surprise bunnies because I thought two bunnies were males and that was a lie. Um, <laughs> that was a lie. <laughs> and we had surprise babies. Um, so I just separated the babies and mom from the male in a little hutch thing that we've used like 20 times before. Um, but I think mom was confused because when I first... the this is how okay guys this is gonna get a little dark so i'm just gonna warn you if you don't like dark you might want to like skip through the next 10 minutes um but 
the way I found out there were babies in the cage was because I saw her eating one. Oh. That was, like, half eaten. And, like, the head was still there. Like, the top half was still there. And it, yeah. Uh, so I was like, F. Oh, my God. So that's why I took the babies out. And I thought maybe that baby had already died or something or something was wrong with it. Because they can absolutely do that um, if something's wrong with the baby. Kind of like a lot of animals. Sometimes mom animals will reject animals that aren't all there. Um, because they just know, like, well, you're probably not really worth my time because you're broken. Um, <laughs> Mother nature is cruel. It, she is. So I think that might have been what happened, or at least I did at the time. So I separated them, and everything was good for a little over 24 hours until I went and checked on them. And she, like, had them all uncovered. So there were five of them left. Aww. So they are all uncovered. And I was like, and I thought they were all dead. I was like, mother F. So I take all the babies out and she's like super mad. She's trying to attack me while I do it. So I had to like divide, <laughs> put a divider in. I'm like, you're not great at this. Why are you so mad about it? <laughs> right? You should be relieved. <laughs> yeah. It was really cold that day. It was like 60 degrees the day before and then it dropped way down. It was like 19 degrees at night. So I went and put them in this little like bucket thing, brought them in the house and just stuck the little bucket thing because it's pretty short in the incubator I was like well this might be stupid but we'll see if I can revive any of them because I don't know how long they've been cold and it didn't feel like full-on rigor mortis had set in yet oh okay so two of them started moving again and then I felt like a damn superhero I'm like oh my god this is great (laughs) and then I already had stuff to bottle feed baby bunnies because the first time Vino had baby bunnies um, I was like, well, what if she rejects them? I need to be prepared. So I still had the stuff. That was like, I think like a year and a half, two years ago almost. Um, so I had the stuff, so I mixed it up. And But guys, bottle feeding baby bunnies is actually super hard. And when I started Googling about it, it's like nearly impossible to keep them alive if mom doesn't do it. Oh, uh, you know... I bet it has something to do with their size. Because, mm-hmm. like, a baby bunny is, like, the size of your thumb, right? Um, These guys were probably, like, the size of my middle finger. Oh, okay. So, they, so like, your uh, longest finger. But still. That, yeah. It's still pretty small. They're small. And when you're talking, <laughs> trying to syringe feed an animal that has to be on its back, and it's super hard to just do a little syringe at a time, depending on, like, what you're using. Uh, yeah. They can aspirate really easily. I could see that. So I I wonder if that's what happened to one of them because I bottle fed it. It some seemed fine. I put it back in the incubator to keep it warm for a little longer. And then when I went back, it was dead. So mm. I don't know if it was just like too late already or what or if I killed it. I'm trying not to think about it too much. But the second one I bottle fed just a little bit and she did fine. I'm going to call her she. I don't know what it was. <laughs> um, so I put it in like this little cat carrier thing with a bunch of towels and Then I gave her a little bit more like four or five hours later because she didn't get very much the first go around. But the other weird thing about bunnies is that you have to stimulate them to make them poop and pee. What? Yeah. So what you do is you take a cotton ball and you put like dip it in warm water and then you rub like their genital area until they poop or pee. That's the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. So what mom does is she just licks their stomach and licks that area because they don't know how to do that themselves yet. And I guess most mammals don't. Oh. From what I've read. 
So if you think about it, like when a baby goat's born, you really do need mom to clean it off or you to towel dry the kid. That helps stimulate them and helps them breathe and, and helps kind of rev everything up to get it going and working properly. So I think it's kind of the same with bunnies. Um, but it was a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm going to have to do what for how long? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you have to do that for the first 10 days. So I'm like, well, okay, I'll try to figure out this out for a few days. I'm not sure that I was ever successful with that because I don't know how much the bunny was eating before I got to it. So, and these guys were like two, three days old. So they're just tiny guys. Yeah. And, and I knew like the likelihood of it working out would not be great. So the next, like in the middle of the night, I got up at like three in the morning to go to the bathroom because sometimes you have to do that in the middle of the night. That's what happens when you're in your 30s. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to 30s. <laughs> My husband doesn't do that, though. It pisses me off. He just keeps snoring. <laughs> um, And I checked on her and she was fine. She was still moving around in there. And then my husband got up to go to work because he's still deemed essential. And he said, when I got up, he was like, yeah, your bunny didn't make it. So I think what happened was she crawled out from the towels and got cold and couldn't find her way back. She was probably looking for her mom or her siblings. Yeah. So that was total downer, guys. I'm sorry. But (laughs) I thought it was important to share that sometimes even when you try your hardest at some of these things... It's just not going to go well. Um, and and that's okay. Like, would it have been better if I just would have left them dead? Maybe. Uh, Maybe not. But I sure tried. I did everything I could. And I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, it's probably good to do this now. Because really, they only need to eat one time a day, maybe two times a day, depending on how much you feed them at a time. And I can, you know, do this as another corona project like (laughs) corona project that's what everything is right now (laughs) yeah um and but it just didn't work out and you know what that's okay because i did the best i could with what i had and i was actually prepared to do it which was super crazy well i think it's really important to share those things too because i think it helps manage expectations yeah that's a good way to put it yeah because like you know when Something like that happens on your farm. Like sometimes like you just walk out there and you're like, what the hell is this? And what am I supposed to do? But, you know, if you heard something like that, you know, on a podcast, you'd be like, oh, well, I know that the odds aren't in my favor, but I've decided that I'm ready to try to take that on. Or you can make the decision that you know that the odds are not in your favor and you your schedule or whatever doesn't allow you to take that on. Mm-hmm. You know what to do, you know. Right. And I'll be honest, guys. When I found these baby bunnies, I was like, mother effer. Oh, my God. And I was pissed because, like, 30 other things were going wrong at the same time. And I was trying to figure out, like, where to keep these bunnies or where to move the dad. And like, we have this other chicken coop thing that I could have put them in, but the door is kind of broken. So I tried to duct tape the door and it didn't work. And I got so mad. I kicked the door and now it's like really broken. And my husband comes home later. He's like, so you tried to duct tape the door, huh? I was like, yeah, then I kicked it. So we might have to take it off the hinges and try to fix it that way. (laughs) So like, this was not a magical moment when I found these bunnies. Yeah. I was actually real mad, but for no reason other than I was extremely frustrated from the work day and everything going on in the world. 
And like these cute baby bunnies needed my help and I can barely help myself right now. Or that's how I felt at the time. So like, it's not all rainbows and butterflies, guys. Like, so that's why I thought it was important to share. And I mean, who knew that they couldn't pee and poop on their own? Like, I I didn't. I do now. (laughs) (sighs) So weird. (laughs) Well, I'm hoping the next set of baby bunnies goes a little smoother. Do you have any plans to do some baby bunny breeding right now? Or Well, here's here's the other thing that I didn't tell you guys. So I said there were like five bunnies left. I only found four. Oh. So I thought she ate another one. But it turns out she just had like buried it way deep even though it was dead. Um, So I found it like a few days later. So I think she just doesn't have the mommy gene. So she might be one that I'll be taking to that auction we talked about before. (laughs) Um, Along with a few others. So now we at least know like who's a boy and who's a girl on the farm. So that's That's helpful. Good. (laughs) Um, So I might do some intentional breedings with the ones that I know are really good moms. (laughs) Um, when things kind of, when it becomes clear that the curve has flattened and we're kind of in a downward trend with the COVID stuff, I'm going to try to time that out because I want to sell them at the feed store that I usually do. Um, and I want them to be able to sell them at a a decent rate. And I don't know if that would happen right now. Yeah. I mean, feed stores are still essential, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hoping people aren't going out like just to go buy pets right now like the only reason i'd go to the feed store right now is if we were out of feed and like legit needed something (laughs) right like i mentioned to you before we started recording i'm trying super hard to con my husband into getting a great pyrenees puppy but i'm like in my head like can i even go get one right now (laughs) because technically it's agriculture (laughs) yeah no i mean so like the whole essential is obviously like a big giant gray area yes it's so gray and what I've decided for myself is that if I'm questioning it, it's probably not essential. Yes. But I do think that is like a person by person thing, because if I don't think it's essential, it's one thing, but it may be essential to somebody else for different reasons. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's a really important point. Because like, yeah, I mean, there are lots of things that are not essential to me. Like I don't have to go to the grocery store when I run out of bread. Because I can make bread. So as long as I have ingredients to do that, I'm not going to run out just to go buy bread. Because right. I can I like make that. it. So it's not essential. Yeah. So it's just like, but that's not going to be for everybody. Not everybody has the ingredients, number one, because I heard that yeast was out and flour also. <laughs> because everybody is a freaking homesteader now. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, it's, you know, that's just, that's how I'm approaching. It. And that's how I'm trying to stay sane and also just kind of make make decisions that are put into the context of what's happening for me at this moment yeah I like it yeah so we've had that and then we've had mites which I've mentioned a couple times now and when you figure out how to get rid of them we'll do an episode on how to get rid of mites. yeah (laughs) so far I will say I will give a mini update I think it is I think the injections are working oh good um it's been a trip seeing that whole thing happen um but my husband's doing all of them so far and he's done a great job and it makes me eternally grateful that he is my husband and helps me with these things (laughs) yeah (laughs) otherwise you guys would probably have to send someone to find me and i'd be passed out in the barn 
because I got woozy from giving injections myself to my goats because I have a fear of needles. <laughs> and all the goats are licking you in the face <laughs> while you're passed out because that's yeah. what goats do. <laughs> yeah. I guess we can segue into this tiny coronavirus corner. We don't want to, like, you know, tell you guys or do anything that's going to freak you out or make you want to turn the podcast off because you're tired of hearing it. But we did do a mini-sode, you know, a little bit ago about it. So we just kind of wanted to have some time to talk about it a little bit. So if if you're sick of hearing about coronavirus, you can just skip over this. But if you want to hear how we're dealing, uh, feel free to listen. Yeah. So Bev, how do you feel like you're feeling and and doing with everything um, that's going on in the world right now? So I've decided that my word for however long this is going on is going to be resilient. Oh, mine is cluster F. <laughs> I mean, don't get Kidding, me wrong. kind of. <laughs> Things are kind of a cluster over here, too. I mean, they just are because everything's different. And that's what happens when you just don't know what's happening. And I think mm-hmm. that's why so much fear has been bred. So... I decided that resilient was my word because like while I was listening to that mini sode and editing it and thinking about it, like it it was a really it was really early on when it yeah. all started. Mm-hmm. And so I was really worried that anything I said or did might do something to like cause people to have more fear. Oh. So I'm using the word resilient and reminding myself that I'm constantly resilient because I never want to add more fear to anybody else. Because I think that's kind of how we've ended up in this weird mm-hmm. situation as it is, because it wasn't people that were planning that emptied grocery store shelves. It was people that were afraid that the grocery store wouldn't be anymore mm-hmm. that did stuff like that. So like my goal and like my whole purpose right now is just to help stop the spread of fear. I don't want anybody to do any of these homesteading things that we do because we love them out of fear. Right. Right. I think that's a good way to think of it. I think there's even a difference between doing it out of fear and doing it out of realization that maybe you don't want to be so reliant on other sources. But there's a difference between making that realization and it being fear-driven for me, that's kind of where I'm at, where I'm like, it's probably good for me to know that skill set and to know if I can handle it or not. Um, But it it wouldn't be out of like, because I'm scared I can't get chicken at Walmart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's funny, too, because I'm kind of afraid that a lot of people are going to jump into this without having realistic expectations. Like, there's a lot of talk of people like should be doing victory gardens right now and whatnot. And like, don't get me wrong, I love gardening. And I think anybody who wants to, should grow a garden but do you know how many years it took me to like actually put together a garden that we were Mm -hmm. able to harvest like food out of (laughs) yeah it takes practice it's not like if anything I hope it gives if if people do go into it fear-based or not I hope it gives them more respect and realization of all the work that farmers do yeah. So we don't have to worry about it if our garden takes a shit or if we <laughs> right. don't have one. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, there's a learning curve to figuring out what pests are in your area or uh-huh. what diseases you have to worry about. But, you know, it's I don't know. I've I've been having mixed feelings. 
scrolling through social media, I guess. Yeah, I've been trying not to do that. <laughs> it's probably as much for the best. <laughs> but I do want to be helpful. So like I I'm trying to remind people that if they have any like specific questions, I want to help, but I also don't want to like make anybody think that if they started a garden this year, they won't have to go to the grocery store all summer. Oh, <laughs> does that <yeah>. make sense? <laughs> yeah, and that you have to think about like timing out your garden. Yeah. You can't eat all the food at once. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So there is like, you know, there's canning. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Succession planting, too. Yeah. You know, so that everything's not ready at the same time. Like, there's a art to it. And there's tons of great, like, resources out there for that. If anybody, you know, has some extra time on their hands and wants to learn more about it, but also putting in a garden takes money. And a lot of people are out of work right now. So, yeah. I did buy some seeds from MI Gardener, though. Oh, you did? That's one of my favorites. So you got them before he shut down his website because they're shut down right now. Yeah, he shipped it. Um, Yay. Yeah. So I don't know if they're in the mailbox or not yet. I don't know if I've seen the mail person today. Um, <laughs> um, but hopefully I should have them soon. I got I got like a lot of flower type things. Um, like I got some mini sunflowers and other like pollinator type things to just kind of try to plant in the front this year instead of like going off and buying a lot of expensive flowers. So I'm going to try that and see what happens. Um, but I also got these like beans that are like purple. Oh, those are fun. (laughs) Um, and I got some tomatoes and some pickling cucumbers. So just like a few things to try and I'm going to try to do some succession planning, but I'm also not putting a lot of pressure on myself because I have not, it has not gone well for me in the past. So (laughs) I'm just going to kind of like do it when my heart tells me to. (laughs) And everything I got is container friendly too. So that was a requirement for myself too, was like, if I'm not really feeling it, but I want to give it a shot, as long as it can be in a container, like that will be a good compromise in my brain to like, you know, if I'm feeling motivated to start there. Yeah, I like that. It it's more it's more manageable. And yeah. and you're kind of dipping your toes into the idea of creating and growing your own food without thinking that you have to. Right. I'm not gonna <laughs> grow like six rows of corn and like thirty blueberry bushes, even though I love blueberries. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not going balls to the walls with it. Like, I'm just kind of dipping my toe in. I thought the stepkids would think that the purple beans would either be, like, really gross or super cool. So I thought that would be fun to grow and feed them when they're here. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, like, fun stuff like that. Like, in the the sunflowers that I got are my... I had an intern that passed away in October. She had osteosarcoma. And sunflower is like the symbol for that. So that's another like meaningful thing I'm doing. So if I have some meaning behind what I'm doing or a purpose, like I feel like that might motivate me to take care of it and actually follow through. Well, and I love that you got sunflowers too, because like sunflowers main purpose is they do bring pollinators, but they also just bring joy. And, and sunflower seeds. Yeah, and sunflower <laughs> seeds. That's true. We did harvest a ton of sunflower seeds. I've got them in bags. Uh, I'm going to test them and see if they germinate this week because I'm curious because I'd like to just replant them. We didn't end up eating our sunflower mm. seeds, but we totally could have. Um, but that's uh, like that's always been my message is doing this for joy. I'm trying yeah. really hard to keep that in a climate where I feel like there's a lot of fear yeah, or like I found I found this article 
and we can link to it in the show notes from Harvard Business Review. Um, that was kind of interesting because I was like an emotional hot mess last week and I couldn't really explain why. Like I just start crying and I was like, and I didn't know, like part of me thought it was because I still have a lot of work on my plate at work. How am I supposed to work right now when like it feels like the world is melting down outside and they're like, are, but also like, why do I feel like this? Because I still get to work. I'm still getting my full paycheck. I still have my insurance. Like, why, why am I feeling like I don't want to work right now? Like, I felt like all over the freaking place. Yeah, <laughs> I've had, I've had those same exact feelings. And it turns out that what we are probably feeling is grief. Which is really weird because technically nothing really bad has happened to me. Yeah. Or anybody I know yet. Outside of maybe being temporarily like laid off. Like I have a lot of friends that are in the theater community. Like they're not working right now. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Because yeah, nobody's going to shows. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'll, I'll just read a little snippet of it. Um, it says, understanding the stages of grief is a start. But whenever I talk about the stages of grief, I have to remind people that the stages aren't linear and may not happen in order. It's not a map, but it provides th- some scaffolding to for this unknown world. There's denial, which we say a lot early on, like the virus won't affect us. There's anger. You're making me stay home and taking away my activities, which I have absolutely felt, which feels ridiculous because I'm kind of a shut-in anyways. (laughs) Same. (laughs) There's bargaining. Okay, if I social distance for two weeks, everything will be fine, right? Yeah. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Um, There's sadness. I don't know when this will end. And then finally, there's acceptance of this is happening. I have to figure out how to proceed. Yeah. And I feel like based on what you were doing yesterday, that you might kind of be making your way into the acceptance phase. How do, what do you think? Where do you think you're at? Yeah, I think I'm in acceptance now. And like, I keep trying to remind people too, because like, I don't know, like, obviously, I'm on social media. And somebody I know in Arizona, like took their kids for haircuts yesterday. And I'm like, We've been social distancing for almost two weeks here. And he like yeah. went and took your kids to get a haircut. Like, how is there a barber still even open there? <laughs> every state is responding differently right. to this. And I think that that's going to kind of determine where you're currently at mm-hmm. on the stages. Because, like, I'm in acceptance now. Because, like I said, it's been almost two weeks in Ohio. Right. So... Like, I've had a lot of time to let it settle in. And, like, the first week was a lot of constantly checking stats, you know, trying to figure out if it was, like, here in my county, which, honestly, after two weeks, the fact that it's not in my county yet has been a little weird. But every day I'm expecting that it will. And I'm only checking the stats, like, once or twice a day because I want to know in the morning and I want to know after 2 o'clock when they're available for my state specifically, which is Ohio. And yeah, I'm in acceptance because I've decided that I'm not going to let the fear of the unknown control what I do. I'm going to live in the here and now and make decisions based on where we're at. Mm -hmm. And that's the best way for me to mentally move forward. And I'm also trying to do as much as I can without overwhelming myself or my family or putting anyone in danger. Which is a kind of a hard balance to yeah. to strike, I think. Yeah. I think depending on 
how anyone's like living situation and family setup is like that can completely change how they're reacting to things. Oh yeah, absolutely. I heard that there's been a lot of extra like domestic violence calls and stuff, which is really sad. And I do feel really awful for anybody who's like stuck at home with anyone who abuses them, whether it's physically or emotionally or with words. Um, But yeah, and then that's partially why I did what I did yesterday. I went and um, packed food boxes for Good Samaritan and then delivered them to families that are food insecure because I'm healthy and I already lived a pretty socially distanced lifestyle. (laughs) So I kind of like I had this realization once I got into the acceptance phase that like I'm a perfect candidate to go out and help because it's not likely that I'm an asymptomatic spreader Mm -hmm. because I hadn't been exposed to people like Mm -hmm. hardly at all. Mm -hmm. So I thought like I'm the perfect candidate to go and do this because a lot of these people, they're elderly or they're sick or, you know, they have other medical issues that could really put them at risk. And I was like, I can deliver food and keep them from having to go to the grocery store. Like, yeah. And it, it makes me feel powerful knowing that I can do something to help. And I know that not everybody's going to be able to do that or feel like they're in a situation to do that. It also made me feel really grateful for what I have here and what I do. I like it. I think I'm getting there, too. Um, I still have my moments, but I was telling somebody at work this morning, like, I feel like I'm finally kind of getting in the groove, which is good because we're going to be our work before shit really hit the fan told us we were going to be remote through like the first of May anyways. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they decided to extend it just because we're in healthcare IT. Like, they're super woke about what's going on and probably know, like, way more than I do up at the top. (laughs) Well, they probably want to set a good example, too. Yeah. Yeah. And they want to keep us all healthy because we're trying to pivot what we're doing at work to help with the COVID-19 stuff. So they need us all healthy so we can keep working. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. but I found that I've tried, my approach has been with my coworkers, just being transparent. Like, and, and the article actually recommends this. So I'm glad I wasn't being a total Looney Tune last week. But like, I told one of my work friends, like, yeah, I've cried already like three times this morning. And I'm not really sure why. Um, or this is really upsetting. Or I'm having a hard time managing my emotions. Just kind of showing the more human side and really being intentional and just asking people like, how they're doing and asking them like, really, how are you doing? Not like, Hey, how are you? Fine. Great. You know? Yeah. Kind of that blanket response we all tend to do, like actually asking people and getting real responses out of people. So I think that there's a lot of good that's going to come out of this in the, the way of relationships. Like you're going to find out like who your real friends are, who's really there for you and who's just kind of a shitty person and kind of let things kind of see their way through. Um, so I'm trying, I'm still trying to make lemonade out of lemons, but <laughs> guys, sometimes it's super hard and you just need to like lose your shit for a minute. So yeah, I think, I think I'm getting to the acceptance phase, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to regress either. <laughs> like you can still have bad days after the acceptance phase. <laughs> I was going to say, I do still kind of go back and forth. And part of it is just like, like we're totally thrown off of routine. Yeah. Even though not a lot has changed for me personally, other than the fact that the kids are home all day and I can't find some of the things that I want or need from the grocery store. Right. But like other than those things, I feel like we're faring relatively well. But that doesn't mean that I don't feel 
sad mm-hmm. like ever, not only for myself and my family, for the things that we're going to miss out on because we had to cancel trips and some other things that were like in the immediate future that were coming up. And we've canceled stuff all the way up through May, I think, at this point, Mm. because they got canceled or rescheduled. So part of that was out of our control. Um, But also just for worry about other people, like it's okay to feel sad, even if you don't feel like you're being directly affected. Because I am sad for friends that have lost their jobs and no longer have financial Mm -hmm. security. And sometimes I think that that sadness can come from guilt because so far nothing has happened for us, but that's not going to be the case for forever. If it drags on, you know, for Mm -hmm. a really long time, this is only right now. Right. So yeah, I don't know. And there's worry for the future, but um, I think that by accepting those feelings and realizing that they're normal, that you can move forward from them faster yeah. without acting in fear. I think so, too. And it's okay to be a little scared sometimes. It's just yes. you don't want to be one under the expect the spectrum or, or the other Yeah, all the time. <laughs> so um, one of my side projects that I do is I, I would do some work for another podcast. It's called the Streamlined and Scaled Podcast. I do the editing and write the show notes and stuff for it. Um, and one of the things that she talks about Um, in the latest episode that should be dropped by the time this episode goes. If not, it'll drop shortly after. But she talks about courage and how it's okay to be afraid, but courage is acting and moving forward in spite of your fear. Right. Right. No, we don't want anybody to be in denial. No. (laughs) Or to shove down their feelings. That's actually like (laughs) super dangerous behavior, especially when you're alone. It is. Yeah. Don't do that. But yeah. So I think that concludes our coronavirus corner. If you guys yeah. have some feelings and want to talk about it too, you can like come to our Facebook group. Uh, it's pretty fun in there and it's not like super judgy, judgmental. We don't allow that. So you can come in there and like hang out with people and there's some fun stuff going on in there. So oh, you, yeah. You want to be there anyways. <laughs> Humor has been the best medicine for me, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I genuinely feel like even though we're technically like social distanced from everybody, I feel like I'm closer yeah. to some people because of it. I agree. All right. Let's get into our can't evens. I need to know what your can't even is this week. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I can't believe that drunk elephants were <laughs> wreaking adorable havoc and living their best lives. <laughs> <laughs> I need more details because I can't just stop at that headline and accept it. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> So this kind of went viral after a Reddit post showing two male elephants sleeping after getting drunk on corn wine and passing out <laughs> kind of started circulating the internet because they were they were being admired basically for living their best lives like the title uh insinuated and it says while humans carry out social distancing a group of 14 elephants broke into a village in Yunnan province looking for corn and other food and they ended up drinking 30 kilograms of corn wine and got so drunk that they fell asleep in a nearby tea garden (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) and the photo is adorable it's like these two elephants just like sleeping facing each other in the middle of this garden and it's 
I don't know. It's just so cute and hilarious. Aww. And they're, they're in the middle of this Newsweek article that we'll post in the show notes. Um, and it turns out that this is something that elephants apparently do. They oh. <laughs> go and seek out alcohol to get drunk. Um, oh, my. Like. Like monkeys? Yeah, kind of like monkeys. And sometimes they look for the alcohol because they're trying to clean off their trunks is one of the reasons why they're doing it. Oh, sure. <laughs> and then they realize that they like the alcohol and they like the feeling, so they'll go back for it. Um, and they'll also, like, mark places where they know that they found alcohol and go back to it. Like they have their favorite drinking spot. Pretty that. much. So I thought that that was really interesting. And I don't know if all of that is in this Newsweek article because I read a couple of articles about it. But I just thought it was super interesting and adorable and, I don't know, something fun to get everybody's minds off of it. <laughs> so what's your can't even this week? So my can't even this week is kind of a cop out, I feel like, because I can't even with the booze tours that are taking place in our Facebook group. Oh, my gosh. I love them, too. So what's happening over there, if you haven't seen it, is that people are taking like pictures and selfies of them drinking on their farm and like showing like different parts of their farm or their houses and posting them in the group since we can't, you know, go on like brewery tours or wine tours right now because (laughs) it's totally what I do every weekend. Not. not. (laughs) But I think it's a super cute way to connect with each other and see each other's faces and show off like what we get to be around every day um, and what we're so grateful to be around every day. Like if I was self-quarantined in Metro Detroit, where we used to live before we moved here, I would lose my shit. Like I would not be doing as well mentally. I just know it. So I'm like super grateful for me personally and the human being that I am being like out here and barely seeing my neighbors. Yeah. (laughs) Now, I am a little jealous of, like, some of the fun viral videos I'm seeing of, like, people in Italy on balconies singing together. So there are, like, benefits of being, like, in a more populated area. But it's also a little terrifying that you have to be in your apartment in Italy, like, singing on a balcony in the first place. So, like, I go back and forth about how I feel about things. (laughs) Normal. So I really, yeah, we've we've already covered that. Yeah. (laughs) Totally normal. Um, So I do really enjoy those. And I highly encourage you, if you're not in our Facebook group, find it on Facebook. We drink and we farm things. You have to answer a couple questions to get in. Um, we'll let you in and then feel free to participate and like scroll through and try to find other people's because it's so fun. Yeah, it is super fun. Although I was a little surprised. I didn't get very many reactions to the photo of me pointing to the sign for come on in. We're really awesome. (laughs) And I was like, but not right now. You have to wait several weeks. (laughs) I didn't think about that until you just said it. That's funny. Like, I totally thought I'd get more reactions out of that. So maybe that was a little too subtle. (laughs) Well, I keep seeing something float around on Facebook, like, uh, that says, it's just a sign that says gather and it says Karen, not now. That's illegal. <laughs> I have I have a gather sign in my house. My next tour, I'll I'll take a selfie under that. There you go. There yeah, you I'm go. due for a farm tour. I did an inside of the house tour because that there was where go. I was during that time. But <laughs> come join us, do a tour. It's fun. And make sure you leave us a review. We don't have a review to read this week, so that means that next week we'll pick a winner. 
from the couple of weeks we did have reviews. Yeah. Um, so that means it's like clean, super clean, open field slate for for October. Jesus. Uh, we're not for that far April, yet. <laughs> um, we are working on a new mug design. Yes. Or we will be anyways. Um, that will not be in the regular shop. So you guys are going to get exclusive mugs. Um, and that, but to do that, what you have to do is leave a review on Apple podcast. You can be in any country because we can pull all of them in. Um, and we're open to send them elsewhere just because we want to hear from you. Mm -hmm. Um, so make sure you leave a review and leave some way for us to track you down, like an Instagram handle or something like that. Um, and we'll put all of the review names into a hat at the end of the month, pull a name out. And then, ta-da, we will send you your mug. Yes. And we have an exciting announcement. Our friends from First Saturday Lime are going to be on Shark Tank on April 10th. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And through the end of this month, end of March, you can use code DRINK to get 20% off and free shipping. Uh, so do that before the end of the month so you can have Lime before the first Saturday of April. Yes. And we're still planning on going to Coop Camp 2020. It's still on right now. As of this moment. <laughs> As of this moment, it is March 26th. Um, we will be there June 5th through 7th. And so keep an eye out. We would really like to see you there, too, if it's still going to happen and you feel comfortable going. And Drink and Farm has a phone number. We do. And we got that so you guys could leave us voicemails with your farm stories, your questions, and your can't evens. Yes. Oh, and that number is 401-426-3276, which is aka 401-426-FARM, because Sam's awesome, and yes. she managed to find that. Right? <laughs> I scoured the internet, <laughs> and I found it. So we're going to uh, play those on our mini-sodes when you guys do that. Nobody's done it yet, and we've talked about, like, whoever's first, maybe they'll get one of those mugs or something free, too. Yes. There's a prize in it if you're the first one. Yes. We're going to send you something. So if, <laughs> I mean, ready, set, go, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So again, that phone number is 401-426-3276. Go tell us your story. Ask us your question. Send us your can't even. And be sure and hit the subscribe button and download the episode when you listen, because that's how more people like you find us. And share that you're listening to this episode over on Instagram and tag at Drink and Farm. We will send you a promo code just for that episode that will give you a percentage off in our shop. And make sure you take a look at the show notes to find links to the articles we discussed, a survey to tell us how we're doing, and all of our social media links and merch shop. So that's it, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we can't wait to bring you more fun entertainment next week. Yeah, we're, we're in this podcasting thing for the long haul with you guys. <laughs> yeah you can't get rid of us you can't quit us nope <laughs> and until next time drink farm and, and give zero clocks bye guys bye. we drink things we farm things we drink and farm things 
spring is officially here, and you know what that means? Not only are the days getting warmer and longer, but more creepy crawlies are coming out of hibernation. But no worries, First Saturday Lime has you covered. First Saturday Lime is a safe, naturally protective barrier with so many uses. Not only can you use this for your chicken coops, but you can also use this in stables, barns, kennels, gardens, sheds, and more. It can also be used to control algae growth, and it can be used as a whitewash. With so many uses, you'll want this ready to go for your spring cleaning and projects. So go to firstsaturdaylime.com and use code DRINK at checkout to get 20% off and free shipping. 